We are headed up north. And I don't mean like New York or something. That's the United States. Uh, there's some people who say the United States, there is no north. It's just down south and up south. <laughs> but we're going north for real. We're going to Canada, Quebec, Verdun, which is used to be a little town outside of Montreal, but it's now like a suburb of Montreal. In 1928, two musicians gave birth to a son who became known as Maynard Ferguson. Although the father was actually a principal at a school, he and his wife encouraged music study for their son. So at age four, young Maynard started playing the piano and the violin. And somewhere around eight or nine, while attending a local church service, he heard a cornet for the first time and begged his parents, please, 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 please. So the next thing you knew, the young man is playing the cornet and then the trumpet. And man, is he a quick study. Oh, he had been playing piano for a while and violin, so he had a good sense of pitch, harmony, all that stuff. Somehow he learned how to use his air really well. And by 13, he was a celebrity because he won a talent contest that had him broadcast on the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation as a soloist. Serenade for jazz trumpet, 13. Later, he will win a scholarship to the Conservatory of Music in Montreal. And although he was going to Montreal High School, at age 15, he dropped out. And this would have been shortly after his friend, who played in that same high school jazz band with him, Mr. Oscar Peterson, had dropped out. Yeah, Mary and Oscar grew up together playing together in high school. So now he's 15 years old, and out of high school, he's still going to the conservatory, but he's a full-time musician. And not just the trumpet. He's playing the trombone. He's playing reeds, clarinet, and saxophone. He's a multi-instrumentalist. And his brother was a musician, had his own band, but soon Maynard took over the band from his brother. So now he becomes a band leader as well. And this band is doing just great. As a matter of fact, when the great American jazz bands would come up, I say great American jazz band because we are the original baby. We're not Mirmorex. Jazz was born in America. But when the American jazz bands would come up for concerts, it was Maynard's band that would be the warm-up act. And many, many American musicians would, ooh, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? And before you know it, 
Maynard had a reputation, not just in Canada, but in America too, although he had never crossed the border. Never crossed the border. Canadian musicians could not get a passport to come to America to work. We, you know, we always had this protectionism stuff. This is back in the 40s, it's nothing new. But there were two ways. You could be a vaudeville act or you could be what they call a musical genius. So when someone asked Maynard Ferguson what made him so special that he should get this visa, this passport to go to America to work out as a musician, he says, I am a musical genius. Boop, okay, you go. <laughs> that simple. So in 1948, he shows up in New York, fully expecting to join the Stan Kitten band because Kitten had come through Montreal and heard him and said, hey man, I really want you. You ever come down, give me a call. Well, he got down to New York, gave Kitten a call only to find out that Stan Kitten didn't have a band anymore. <laughs> he had taken a year or two off. Yeah, he was making enough money and he had other things going on. So he, yeah, poor meaning. He made it to New York, but his gravy train had been shut down. So he started playing with this band and that band, this band and that band, and finally he ended up with Charlie Barnett's band. And uh, that's going great. They recorded a tune uh, called All the Things You Are, I think by Jerome Kern. And of course, Maynard had these incredible high note chops, like only, you know, Cat Anderson from Duke Ellington's band had chops like that, you know? So when he got a chance to record with Charlie Barnett's band, this wonderful piece, uh, he showed off his chops. When the widow of Jerome Kern heard it, she was absolutely enraged. She thought it was profane. And as owner of the copyright for that music, she had it pulled from the shelves. Not before everyone who knew where to buy one bought one, and that recording became a collector's item in 1949. And so now Maynard's reputation is starting to rise as his range is starting to rise as well. So by 1950, Stan Kenton decides he's going to have this experiment, this big, 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 big band, you know, 30, 40 people for God's sake. And I guess it was fun, but you couldn't make any money trying to feed 30 or 40 musicians that didn't last long. But Maynard got in that band in 1950, and when Stan Kenton realized the error of his ways and went back to his 18-piece band, he kept Maynard with him. Yeah, now Maynard had made a lot of friends along the way in the Charlie Barnett band because it had a tremendous trumpet section. As a matter of fact, Doc Severson himself, who would later run the Tonight Show band, for Johnny Carson, he was in Charlie Barnett's band. He said about Maynard Ferguson, he said he has no idea why he kept playing after he heard Maynard. He said he heard him warm up and he wanted to put his horn in the case and go sell it. So thank God he didn't, or he would not have had jazz on American TV. <laughs> thank you, Doc. Anyway, 
Maynard played with Kenton's band, had a good time from 1950 to 1953. And when that got a little sour for him, he decided, you know what? I can play, I'm gonna make some money. So he moved to the West Coast and got a job as a student musician for Paramount. And all he did was record television things and movie things and movie things. Yes, over and over. He recorded music for 46 feature-length films at Paramount, including the Ten Commandments. Yes, all of you who've watched that, you hear all that high note stuff, you know. That's Maynard climbing to heaven with his high note trumpet. That's Maynard. And he made a lot of money. But Paramount had this thing. They did not want their musicians playing in nightclubs and low-life establishments and bars and restaurants. So he was prohibited from going out and hanging out with those musicians and doing what he loved to do. So he did it for about three, four years and said, okay, I've made enough money. He made friends with people like Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. He had a white convertible specialized Jaguar. He would show up at parties with two fine young actresses with him. He did the Cary Grant thing where he would pull up to a party and literally jump over the door of the car, would open the door, and then walk around and open the passenger side door for his the sweethearts, and then escort them into the party. Uh, this was popular among people like Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, but some of the more conservative Hollywood um, executives thought him profane until he would take out his trumpet and sit in with whatever orchestra happened to be playing that party. So made it become the toast of Hollywood out there. But again, that just did not work for him. So soon, he's back on the road with his own band, moving to New York, doing his thing like he wanted to do it, and recording jazz. Yes, real jazz. I know that people who know made it for pop stuff, but he was a real jazz cat in these days, and really always the end of his life. Now, as things would go, he would record this and record that. He did a stint with the New York Philharmonic under the baton of Leonard Bernstein, recording Symphony in number one in C, William by William Russo, the great jazz uh, arranger and composer. As a matter of fact, I remember the very first book I studied to learn to write music and arrange music and voice horns and transposition and ranges and all of that was a book called Composing for the Jazz Orchestra by William Russo. Uh, he was quite a force uh, in uh, scoring music. Well, Maynard 
was featured with the New York Philharmonic in 1959. So he did orchestral work in jazz, as I said. He played woodwinds and this and that, and he made himself popular by going from one instrument to the other instrument. Man, people, he was a showman. People loved him, and his chops in the trumpet were just extraordinary. He kept doing what he did here and there and everywhere. And somewhere around yeah, middle late 60s, he got a little bored with the entire scene. The big band thing was folding up in 1966. I think he folded down his last big band and did some small combo stuff for a while. And then his wife discovered Timothy Leary, Dr. Timothy Leary, who had a place in New York called Millbrook. They were experimenting with mind-altering substances. And Maynard moved his whole family there and altered his mind for quite some time. But the more popular this place got, the more seedy it became, the word got out, and soon you got the popo, sorry, the authorities, the policemen showing up, and at that point, Maynard says, okay, this is no longer a good place for me to be. He moves a little distance from the main compound, but things were still getting ugly, and so he decided, if I stay here, I'm going to ruin my career, ruin my name, destroy my family, I'm out of here. And he took off. And he went to India to continue to expand his mind with yoga and spiritualism and whatnot. He even worked with a brass band in India, a boys' brass band, at one of the larger institutions there as he continued his meditation and whatnot uh, in India. After two or three years, I guess he had his fill of that, and he decided he needed to move further. Uh, but he wasn't coming back to the United States because we were in turmoil uh, in the late 60s and 70s. Um, so he moved to England and uh, had one or two homes, one right on the Thames River, three-story building. So he had money, he was doing well. His career was doing very well for him. And uh, he started uh, an 18-piece big band, regular big band with uh, British musicians. But rather than playing the straight Count Basie, Duke Ellington type of, Duke Ellington type of jazz, they were playing like a jazz fusion, a jazz that was mixed up with rock and electric guitars and synthesizers and all those experimentations. And one of the pieces they ended up recording was a piece called MacArthur Park. And this was the first very popular piece that brought Maynard Ferguson to an international level as a celebrity. Now you know what happens when that, you know, you blow up like that in Europe. 
just like the Beatles, just like the Rolling Stones, just like all those, you know, 60s rock groups, you got to go to America. So, oh man, I got to go back to America. Yes, you do. Whoop. He comes back to America. He settles here in New York. He's doing his thing. But once again, New York was just not Maynard's style. I mean, Montreal is a big, big, hip city, but it's cool. It's, it's laid back. New York is not laid back. So after two or three years, he moves back to the West Coast, but not to work for Paramount. He <laughs> started doing jazz. And he's doing jazz and big band and small combos and experiments here and there, and it's working out great. And I think in 1975 or so, he meets Bob James. And they start these more commercial collaborations. Let's just say money, money, money. And on one of the very first ones, I think it's called MF Horn. You know, Maynard Ferguson Horn, but the MF. It has some other connotations that kind of made it like, oh yeah, man, people went out to buy it just because. But on that album was people like uh, Dearly Departed, Mr. Chick Corea, and Mark Colby, and Steve Gadd. Yeah, and they're doing some stuff. And he recorded and had big hits with MF Horn and a couple other hot things here, Primal Scream. You know, and uh, at some point, uh, they record this tune, uh, Gonna Fly Now. And it is like a theme for Rocky in the movie. And he gets his first gold record. And man, things are just flying, <laughs> so to speak, for Maynard. And he's having a great time, and he's loving it. And then he starts deciding that he's done with that commercial thing. He wants to get back closer to jazz. He wants to tour. He wants to be among the people in the clubs and colleges and all of that. He wants to start inspiring young people again. So he starts um, creating uh, a 18, 16-piece band. Then he cut it down to about 12 pieces. Uh, the British musicians that he had used were gone by this time and he started using younger cottage-age musicians. People who came out of North Texas, like Snarky Puppy comes out of North Texas. People who come out of Berkeley School of Music, like everybody. <laughs> and people who come out of another gold mine that we don't recognize uh, for jazz, uh, as much as we should in our own state, the University of Miami. That's right. Um, matter of fact, Kibola Jazz Holiday has uh, supported many of uh, my students as of late who are now students at University of Miami and some of my students of uh, yesterday who are actually working musicians in the area that Kibola Jazz Holiday continues to uh, uh, support. And of course, Maynard Ferguson was fishing in that very, very fertile river as well, University of Miami. And one of the people he was able to pull was a guy named Dennis de Blasio. 
and Dennis was in a group he had called High Voltage. And it was a smaller group, um, I think uh, like seven pieces. So it was a lot of freedom and interplay and a lot of fun. It was kind of, you know, edgy, you know, a little rock, a little jazz, a little fusion. I think Coconut Champagne would have come out about that time. Big hit for Maynard, uh, big hit and a big payday for Dennis de Blasio. And that's going to continue. And um, at some point, uh, Maynard's getting older. And at 60, he decides that he's going to go back to doing even more jazzy music, go back to his heart. So he starts the Big Bop Nouveau. It's a 12-piece big band. And um, they're doing great work and even more hits are coming out and he's becoming very, very popular among young people. Unfortunately, he's destroying a whole lot of players who are trying to do what he does. No one could do that uh, but him. And, uh, but he's also inspiring a lot of guys to really start practicing seriously and work on their chops. And, you know, a lot of high school bands are playing some of his stuff. And his music is becoming more and more and more and more and more popular. And he continues to do that with uh, that particular band. And then another uh, iteration and another iteration. But Big Bob Nouveau was, I think, the last uh, iteration that he continued to tour with um, right to the end of his life. Um, a very well-honored man, too. Um, he, he is a fraternity brother of mine, uh, Kappa Kappa Psi. Uh, he's also Phi U Alpha Symphonia. Um, he has a uh, honorary doctorate from Roaring College in New Jersey. Uh, the guy who runs that program at Roaring College is none other than Dennis de Blasio, who finally left the road and decided to become a college professor. It is the Maynard Ferguson Institute for Jazz Studies at Roaring College, headed by Dennis de Blasio. And here's something for you. My youngest son, Greg Omari Williams, bass player with everybody from Wynton Marcellus to Elvin Jones, will be receiving his master's degree there uh, this summer. So Maynard is even touching me in a more personal level because my son has studied with Dennis de Blasio there at uh, Roaring College and um, they are educating uh, young jazz musicians at a very high level. And although Maynard may have left us in 2005, his legacy is still with us and he is still inspiring young minds in jazz, and he's still educating them at the highest level. Trust me, Dennis de Blasio is doing it the right way. Ladies and gentlemen, all I can tell you is Maynard Ferguson is a force of nature. He came to us from Montreal, but he made America his home and is laid to rest in California. Long live Maynard Ferguson, 
and his incredible legacy as a player, multi-instrumentalist, band leader, and entertainer. Hello, 46 movie scripts, over 50 albums under his own name, and over 50 albums that he's guest as a soloist and guest artist. Thank you very much.